BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Air France. I recently flew Air France for Paris Fashion Week, and let me tell you, the experience was sublime. From free champagne in every cabin, meals designed by French chefs on board, and their in-flight entertainment, the French culture is truly infused in every aspect of the flight and made my experience one to remember. The best part? Air France flies to over 200 destinations from the U.S., See you in the sky. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Friend of a Friend podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we're here with Hunter Harris, a writer for New York Magazine's culture platform, Vulture. But Hunter's not just a writer. She's an editorial national treasure. The Oklahoma-born culture commentator is one of New York City's brightest, giving us everything we need to know about movies, TV, music, Jackson, Maine, and beyond, while making us laugh uncontrollably at the same time. Her Twitter has become a pop culture bible to thousands, where she's honest, poignant, relatable, and definitely not afraid to ruffle a few feathers. In this episode, Hunter and I talk about everything from Big Little Lies to Little Women, what it's like getting suspended from Twitter twice, and her undying love for A Star Is Born. Here's my friend, Hunter Harris. Tell us where you're from and where you went to college. I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went to Emerson College in Boston. I studied um, journalism. Did you, were you writing in high school? Mm-hmm. I, let's see, what did I, my first, I had an internship when I was 15 at like the local sort of like society magazine sort of, and that was like my first real taste of it. Um, actually, that's completely a lie. Before that, when I, like, does already. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like, when I was a, I read about this, when I was like a freshman in high school, I was a correspondent for like the teen section of our newspaper, which is called Satellite. And that was like the first time like I really wrote anything for like the public. And it was, I thought it was so much fun. And so I, I wrote like interviews and articles and stuff for like my school paper, all of that stuff. Um, and then had that one internship and I just like love it. I've been hooked ever since. Were you, did you feel like you were writing when you were younger or were you like drawn towards journalism before those experiences as a kid? I was always a writer. I always had creative writing originally, but then I did not feel like I was very good at that. I felt like I was better at journalism. Um, And all while I was growing up, my mom was like an anchor reporter for our local ABC affiliate. So I, it always felt sort of natural to me in that way, Um, like talking to people and just this idea of writing for like a public audience um, in a sort of journalistic way. So that always felt like something that was possible. But yeah, no, I I wanted, I actually initially went into college as a screenwriting major because I really wanted to do that. But then I 
truly was terrible at all of my film production classes, like freshman year. And that's when I was like, okay, let's pivot to something I, I know I can do well. And that's like journalism. I feel like college is so much learning about people are like, oh yeah, like go figure out what you like. And it's like, not, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm not trying to like waste my time. Like, no, it was honestly about figuring out what I didn't like. Yes. I had so many odd jobs and like, it, it, the one thing that it showed me was just, you were like, okay, well, you fucking hate PR. <laughs> and like, okay, let's keep moving. Right. But did your parents encourage you to write? Because uh, mm. I feel like when you're like, your parents are doing something, they like want you to do the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. You know? Actually, that's true. Yeah. yeah, no. Mommy, my mom is like, does Shout not. <laughs> she does not get why I like doing what I do so much. She did not really like journalism so much. So I guess, yeah. But my parents definitely encouraged me to just like read and and my dad is like really into movies. And so I sort of, I you started watching. You are literally a mold of the two. Yeah, yeah, really. And my aunt was really into movies. So I just, I always had like very formative experiences watching this stuff with them. But so you cover mostly music, TV, movies. Yes. Has that always kind of been, like, what's your favorite thing to write about? Movies, for sure. I I mean, I know it's like very, I think about this a lot, actually. It's very trendy to write about TV, and TV itself is very trendy. I don't know if you, like, even in the Times last week, one of my um, really good friends wrote this long thing about like, the future of movies, and every person in Hollywood is like, TV is the future, like, bite-sized entertainment, whatever. But I really like just having a complete kind of full experience with something in 90 minutes, in, you know, two and a half hours. Like, I think there's yeah. nothing better than that. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've just always really liked, like, the structure of of cinema. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I sound so The structure of cinema. Please <laughs> unpack that one for us. Um, it's just such a – it's not as – in depth in a way, but I do like the restrictions of not, you know, being able to spend 12 hours with characters. Totally. I, I think it it challenges you in a different way. Um, and also, you know, I, I this is like not cool, but I really am a purist. I do love seeing things big on a screen. And that's like one of my favorite things to do in New York, honestly, is just to go see movies that I've seen a million times, like on a bigger screen because it's so, it's so beautiful. What's your favorite movie mm. and why? Oh boy, it changes a lot depending on just how I'm feeling or what season it is. Right now, my favorite movie is probably, I really love this Nicole Holofcener movie from 99, I want to say, called Walking and Talking. Never seen it. It's so good. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Nicole Holofcener's work, but no. she she makes movies about women and about, okay. you know, sort of very um, stressed, like, overthinking, anxious women, which is something I totally, like, identify Sounds with. Sounds like a movie that I would love. Exactly. And I'm it's very much <laughs> It's a movie about um, these, like, two women friends who, like, are best friends, have been best friends, are living together, but then one of them moves out because she's going to, like, marry her, her boyfriend. And um, it just... I remember watching it for the first time and I, I just felt like nothing had ever really crystallized what it feels like to live in New York and to like be so in love with your best friend but also be feeling sort of abandoned during the course of someone else's growth. Um, and it was just really powerful. And it's really funny. It's funny. I tried to get my best friend to watch it and she was like, this is too awkward, too cringy. I cannot deal with it. We have to stop. I was like, Molly, you need to like grow up. Like, come on. Um, but no, in the it's sense a good that it would like bring up weird things between you guys, or just like the movie. Made no, it was cool. like there are so many awkward moments, right? And okay. like where one friend is like, "I love this guy," and the other friend's like, mm, "No, you don't. 
he's not that great. Yeah, so just realities we don't want to confront. Yeah, exactly. What was that? There was a show that just came out that like my friends loved. I forget what it's called, and I couldn't watch it. It was like unbearably awkward for me. Oh, mm. Pen Fifteen. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I Pen do Fifteen. It. You know, my roommate is the exact same way. I love Pen Fifteen, and yeah. she just like she's I can't like get through it because it is just. That show really leans into the awkwardness, too. It was just, like, I was, like, I feel like if I close my eyes, like, I'm back in middle school. I can't. I, these, are, <laughs> these are things I intentionally erased. I'm down to not go back to them. They freaked me out. I couldn't do it. But it's a very traumatic show, I will say, to watch. Because oh middle school is the worst time in everyone's life. But so after college, you – was your first job at Vulture? Um, no. My first job was at Refinery29. Oh, I was cool. there for six months as – um, Refinery. Yeah, it was it was like it was literally my first job. I I wrote a couple of times a day and did interviews and it honestly just felt like kind of since I started working there literally like the week after I finished college, um, which I do not recommend for so many reasons. Um Why? I mean, I literally like graduated from college on like a Sunday, went home until Thursday and like Friday moved to New York. You, like, didn't have a second. And, like, the Monday, like, started at Refinery, which, you know, was just, like, I was, like, breaking out. I was so stressed. Like, yeah. I don't know, it was, like, a nightmare. But, um, but no, Refinery just really felt like, like, a like a summer vacation. So it was just so fun. And I, like, had never really been in office, like, full-time before. Like, I'd had lots of internships. But it was, like, wow, my first job. I'm so excited. Um, so I was there for six months. And then after that, I, I started working at Vulture. And uh, I was hired originally – just to write about movies, and then that structure sort of changed. So now I can write about you know anything like the culture space, which I which I like, but I do mostly write about movies still. I think what strikes me the most about your writing is your confidence. You just like <laughs> in a good way, like not in like a you're overly confident way, but in like a you stand by what you say, and like you're not afraid to kind of like ruffle some feathers, and you're not afraid to say something so outrageous. <laughs> And I think in our day and age, like, I'm even hesitant with some sometimes like posting on Instagram or posting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like I'm afraid of offending and I just, yeah, it's something that always kind of struck me with your Twitter, but have you always been that way? I think so. It's funny. Someone else told me this, that I, that I'm very declarative. Exactly. Um, and that's the word I'm looking for. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever not been this way. Right. Um, Sometimes I do wonder, though, like, are my friends from, like, high school, if they read my stuff now, would they, like, be surprised with who I am or what I think or something like that? Um, Just as, like, a, you know, check-in that I'm being authentic or consistent in some way. But I really think I've always been this way. Like, I've always just liked what I like and not liked what I don't like. And, and yeah, I also feel like this, and also just as, like, my, this is how I make decisions in my life and my personal life. If I'm not, like, if I'm going to make a mistake, I want it to be my mistake. I don't want it to be, like, me trying to appease someone else or please someone else or some other thing. It's, like, if I'm going to go down, I want it to be because I really believe in something or believe in what I'm saying. And that, um, that's just the way I think about, you know, anything I write, whether it's something important or something, like, stupid about Adam Driver being super hot. Like, he is super hot. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, Thank I'm going to give it to you. But so you've been at Vulture, Vulture for three years. Uh, Yeah, two and a half. Crazy. And it's well, fun. Yeah, what's that? What's that experience like kind of being somewhere? Because I feel like we're in a generation right now where like, we're not, I can't even, I hate this, like, we're, this is our generation talk, but it's mm-hmm. kind of true. 
um, where we're kind of accustomed to this idea of like, oh, like you don't like your job, leave it. Like we don't mm. think of longevity the way that people used to think of longevity. Right. And to me, like I don't have a lot of friends that have stayed at the same job for two and a half years. So what has that process been like over the past two and a half years as, as like you're kind of growing into your own voice of being at the same place? Well, I mean, when I first got my job at Vulture, I was like very insecure every single day. I was so nervous before every pitch meeting. Like I just thought all my ideas were stupid and I thought that everyone there was like so much smarter than me or that my ideas weren't like funny enough or whatever. But But it really just does feel like I have a lot of stuff to learn still. And I do feel really lucky. If I were working probably anywhere else, I wouldn't be as happy. But for me, what's really important is like I can look around and feel constantly so inspired by the stuff that my colleagues are doing. And it's like, oh my gosh, like that interview was so good. That feature was so good. This post was so funny. I'm always getting better. And I, if I were working somewhere where I didn't feel that way, then I would be so bored and would absolutely leave. So that's part of it, I think, why I've been there so long is because I do feel like I'm constantly getting better or challenging myself in different ways. Um, And I do work with a really good team of editors who push me in certain ways and like walk back my stuff in other ways. My general, my general writing process is like to write the craziest thing I can think of and just see what my editor Katie takes out. And sometimes I'm like, that made it in? Oh my God. But, but yeah, I, I know that's like trendy to, not trendy, but I think the way that we think about work is to, if you're not being served, to like leave and go somewhere else. But I like working, I like building a history somewhere. Um, and that's really important to me. I do feel like kind of old school in that way. But if I weren't feeling so like fulfilled by my job, I would absolutely find somewhere else to go. I feel like you're a rare breed of someone that is kind of melding like the two of like being in a nine to five job, but also like having this entrepreneurial voice because mm. you do have your own personality within the company. Yeah. Like you're not, I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, you're either one or the other, but like I know you separately from Vulture, but then the two of you also coexist. That's that's like really nice to hear. I'm glad yeah. uh, because that has definitely not been conscious. Um, but I do hope that, yeah, I hope that there's like, I mean, I, I feel like every writer would want this, right? That you you sort of align with whoever you're writing for, like the place, um, in terms of sensibility and taste and whatever. But at the same time, you are yourself. You're having your own opinions and you're speaking in your own voice. Um, that's really important to me. And I, what I do love about like writing for where I write for now is that there's never been a place or an instance where I feel like I have to change my opinions or change who I am or what I think or how I feel about something to, you know, walk like a party line in some way. Right. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, like I'm just like writing about entertainment and movies and TV and Hawkeyes and Hawk like eyes, why every teen and every movie wants to go to Yale. Like it, I mean, it's not like life or death. That was the, cra- the craziest story. <laughs> and they emailed you. Yeah. And then Yale emailed me and they're like, good job, Hunter. We liked the story. Yale meaning like their spokesperson. Yale himself. <laughs> I mean – like, I would be like, okay, cool, can you guys, like, slightly pass me a degree and we can just move on with our lives? Oh, I consider myself a graduate of Yale now. I would, I would too. What has been your favorite story that you've written? Do you have one, or is that, like, asking you to pick a child? Mm, no. There's one that I, like, someone shared it and I, like, reread it. Because, honestly, I have the worst memory when it comes to, like, stuff I've written in a lot of ways. I, like, once I 
once I send it to my editor, once it goes up, it like goes out of my brain completely just because I do write a lot and I like writing a lot. But no, I did come across this thing that I wrote last summer about Andy Garcia. And I was reading it and I was like, oh my God, this is like hilarious. (laughs) Like fully like getting high on my own supply. I was like, this is so funny. Specifically this one line where I said, like the lead of the story was like, you know, last summer we had, which means like two summers ago, we had like Timothy Chalamet and... Um, Tom Holland and like all like a summer of there's like a, there are a couple of think pieces about um like summer of twinks. Um, but I I wrote this thing that was like Rihanna isn't making Fenty lingerie for us to have a crush on a boy born in 1996. Like wow. I need a man this summer, and that man is Andy Garcia. Um, because he's like he's so hot and suave, and he had just been in uh, book club. The Diane Keaton. Like, I, I literally cannot believe that you wrote that. Yeah, of course I did. Of course <laughs> I did. Of course. I, and that was I was like on the train, like, oh my god, here she goes. She's like, she's off. But yeah, that's something that I that I really liked. Um, oh, and actually, there's um, I think that one I really liked because I thought it was very funny. But I want to say the most important thing I feel like I've ever written was. Something I also did last summer about just about acne and about watching Lady Bird and watching um, the Bo Burnham movie Eighth Grade and and how important it felt to watch movies about girls who who were like actually going through adolescence in like a very visceral, meaningful way. Right. Um, and like the smallest details mean the most in so many ways that like you're watching Absolutely. a girl like use a beauty and they're like trying to cover up her acne but like doesn't really get it is like has a single dad all of a sudden like I I felt just so moved by that by that one scene in eighth grade and I I got so many emails from women like our age who are like oh my god like it's crazy that that we never see that and a lot of this is something I think about all the time is how a lot of our like canon a lot of the things that we you know, call important are movies about men, movies, you know, from the 70s that are like about lonely sort of disaffected men, which I I fully love those movies and I fully understand that. But at the same time, it's like, why is it 2018, 2019? I've never seen like a girl like really struggle with her acting, like, you know, get frustrated about that stuff in a movie because that's important. It is important. It's it's a representation that I think isn't there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there are a lot of, and we talked about this on the last episode, there are not currently a lot of accurate representations of what it means to, like, come of age yeah. in 2019. Um, we had Molly on the last one, and we talked about Booksmart and how important that was. Mm-hmm. And I know you loved Booksmart. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, so there was just so, like, that conversation right now is important to be had, and I'm really glad that you're writing about those things. And even it's even nicer to hear that you had such a good response and so many people coming back to you about it. Yeah. Like, that was really gratifying because, I mean, I think there is just sort of a fundamental lack of curiosity about what Absolutely. it means to be a girl and grow up and our, yeah. you know, crazy culture. And right. and in a way that's not always about, like, like the classic story of, like, some teen, like, having lots of sex, like, trying to navigate that, right. which is, like, totally valid. And I, I mean, I think we all have gone through that, too. But just the action of, like, coming into your own life and figuring totally. out what it is you like and how totally. you feel. Have you been watching Euphoria? Yes, I have. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I feel like mm, I don't love it. Okay. I So I've seen the first four, and I really like the place where, like, the Hunter Schaefer character goes. Um, that's, like, a very 
I mean, it's a really like rich and and sensitive storyline. Um, like her relationship with Zendaya is like you know close friends. I I liked that, but otherwise, I just felt like it was kind of sensory overload. Like it felt really like a like a Harmony Korine movie. Totally valid point. <laughs> and like supreme. Right. Wow. I agree with you on the sensory overload portion of it. Do you think that there are after the conversation we just had about you getting emails and talking about like accurate representation, do you feel like mm-hmm. that there are some parts of it that are accurate about probably what it's like to be a teenager right now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For sure. It's terrifying. It's like a terrifying thing to watch, honestly. No, it, it is. Yeah. Um and I think that generation, you know, just below us engages in culture in such a different way. Yeah. So I'm I'm really curious to see how they feel about and if they you know really watch and are engaged with something on HBO right because you know they're like on Instagram all the time which is there's nothing wrong with that but yeah I'm wondering how if they are as tapped into like what the show is saying as you know the creators are because it definitely came from like a very meaningful place I like that you just said that they're on Instagram all the time and there's nothing wrong with that yeah I mean you know for sure I think we there is a big pressure societally um on like our age and younger on like how much we're on instagram and it kind of drives me nuts because i'm like what you don't think that like the people that i know that are in their third like my parents are on instagram i mean i i think a lot of the stuff about how like social media is like rotting our brains is pretty overwrought honestly because i guess my favorite part of my job outside of just like writing stuff that becomes hugely embarrassing because it's just dumb um is Getting on the internet and... for you, entertainment for us. <laughs> You're right. I'm really sacrificing myself. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no. I, I really love... I mean, with Booksmart. With Booksmart, with, like, Call Me By Your Name, with, in some cases, like, A Star Is Born, too. Getting on the internet and just seeing how passionate people young are. people are about movies. And sometimes that passion exists on the internet. It doesn't always have... That's what I'm saying about Euphoria. It's, like, a lot of... They a lot of the ways that I see people younger than us engaging with this work is not always like, let me sit down and like you know discuss it with my friends or whatever. It's like I'm just gonna make a lot of jokes about this, a lot of memes about this, a lot of just talking back and forth on the timeline about it, um, which I think is is just so valid. And they are all pretty platform and sort of stylistically agnostic in in terms of. It could be a show, it could be a movie, it could be whatever, but if it like if it hits, then it's then they love it. And I think that's like very, very cool. I think there's also there's also like a stark difference between what social media was in 2016 when you started at Vulture to now. Yeah. Based on its like growth and how much it's kind of like penetrated every aspect of the world and culture, do you feel like you've been writing differently based on social media's like impact on popular popular culture? Or like has it impacted a part of your career? Mm. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are a group of, of teenagers who truly will tag me in anything they think I need to know about or write about, and that's so cool. The fandom runs deep. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> no, I, I really do love waking up and, you know, seven people have sent me the Bradley Arena stuff or the, you know, Timothy Chalamet spotted with a bagel, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> that stuff is, like, funny and fun. But I don't think it's really changed the way I um, think about writing or think about, like, pitching or anything like that. Just, But I do think the internet as a whole has made my writing more casual, more conversational. Totally. Um, and, yeah, I, I 
I like writing that feels like I'm just we're just like hanging out and talking. Yeah. Um, that doesn't feel like it's coming from like on high because I don't know any more than you do probably. You know, I don't I don't know everything. I just have, you know, very <laughs> specific opinions about things and I never want to feel like I'm talking down to anyone. I hope no one ever reads me and thinks that. I definitely don't think that. For those of you who live under a rock, Hunter's Twitter is like literally the <laughs> pop culture bible or whatever it is that you praise. whatever it is um but I mean that's amazing to hear that you like have you literally have people that are like like Hunter needs to see this so we can get her opinion yeah well not even get her opinions but maybe they think that but they just want to make sure that I saw thing xyz right and I really like that I like that energy I think it's fun it keeps me young speaking of the mechanics of writing I am constantly like astounded by how much content you're able to crank out well I do just sit at my computer all day like and then I'll like call someone on the phone and like maybe go like get coffee with someone and like I'll give you an example because this literally blew my mind Mm -hmm. and if my friends are listening I'm really sorry there's just no shade to you guys um I was in LA watching Big Little Lies uh, episode two Mm -hmm. and Mystery of Love came on was it Mystery of Love yes okay just triple checking and I swear to God, like, my whole body tensed up. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> I, no one is acknowledging. Like, everyone's just sitting there. And I'm like, do you guys realize how insane this is? Like, this is insane. Like, no one's paying attention to, like, this moment. Like, yeah. why is no one, like, standing up and being like, whoa. Like, how do they know about this song in Monterey? Like, yes. no one got it. And I'm just, like, having my own private little moment. And I was pretty offended. And I, like, felt really insecure. And on the way home... Griffin, who's a mutual friend, mm-hmm. Griffin Lipson, sent me the article that you wrote literally within an hour of the show being live. Well, okay, that is um, a little bit of a cheat. I did get the screeners like a week before, so I did have time to pitch that and write it. Um, my heart, my whole life just crumbled. <laughs> yeah, no, no, My whole truly. life just crumbled. But it, it is funny because, <laughs> because I, I was like, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> she sees me. That was the kind of thing, though, that I, I truly was like watching the screen with one of my friends and had the exact same response. Like, I was just like, what is this doing in here? Like, w- what? That is a bold move <laughs> yes. to take a song specifically okay, made for yeah. this movie, made yeah. for a movie as with the cultural capital, Call Me By Your Name. And just just have Shailene Woodley dancing on the beach to it. Like, it didn't belong to any other movie. Like, it didn't belong. Like, it was just a song. It's like in a Star Wars movie when, like, the planets have, like, two moons. You're like, wait, what? Where are we right now? The cultural crossover was just too much for us to handle. I'm sweating. It, it was. <laughs> no, it honestly was. That that yeah. really, like, that was, it just felt trippy in a way. I was like, right. am I, like... Am I okay? No, I wasn't. Um, but no, that was something where I was like, oh gosh, we got to dig into this. Okay, so back to the original question. Disregard my big little lies, absolute freak out of like you becoming reigning queen for me. <laughs> you do have a knack for like seeing something and instantly like the, the stories are coming out and you, I honestly like, I attribute your, like the success of your Twitter to a lot of things, but I think also the fact that like you are constantly storytelling is a big mm. reason why people keep coming back, at least someone like me who loves to read. Mm. Um, so... What goes into that process of constantly writing and constantly producing? Well, I i mean, it, it is just that I'm i am a writer. I think about things in like a writerly, I'm doing air quotes, a writerly way, I guess. Everything that I engage with or that I watch, whether it's like um, something that's new or old or whatever, I'm always thinking about, you know, how could this 
play into something else? What are the implications of this? What is the impact of this? Whatever. And that's, it's not like a conscious thing. It's just sort of how I think about anything that happens in my life. I'm just on the internet all the time and always watching movies and always listening to music. And honestly, how much time do you spend on Twitter? Oh gosh. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I'm all, I just, you know, I love seeing what people say. I love seeing what I people are you. thinking. And it yeah. is, it is like, it's just a hell site of good opinions, bad opinions, all of the above. I really just also like making jokes. There's just so many opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely tickled by a lot of things. Do you feel like there was like one tweet that caught like the most attention? You were like, okay, like this is it. Like this is a career for me. Because mm-hmm. people ask me that a lot where they're like, do you feel like you had like one specific partnership or like one specific thing where like you felt after that thing started to pick up steam? And I wonder if there was like a certain point in time where like you were starting to articulate yourself a little bit more and you were like, all right, I'm going to put more effort into this and like push down on the pedal. That's a good question. I, okay, twofold, I think. The first time I felt like a real writer was when I was in college and I wrote, it was like senior year of college and I had written this essay for IndieWire about Beyonce and Lemonade and just sort of the generational weight of, of that. And I I just like read something I wrote on the internet. And it wasn't even the first time that that ha- had ever happened, but I just was like so proud of it. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm really like a culture writer now. How crazy is that I really feel like I got into like um rhythm emotion at Vulture when Call Me By Your Name came out when Lady Bird came out that stuff that was like I started hitting like a sweet spot and I did get a lot more followers and stuff from from just tweeting and writing about these movies as often as I could but that was like oh man like I'm really like doing the right I'm in the right place doing the right thing because I just want to talk about these movies all day and, and other people seem to want to do that too. Fact or fiction, you were definitely sus- suspended from Twitter at some point. Oh, uh, yeah. It's happened twice. Yeah. Twice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I'm a, I'm a I'm two-time s- survivor of absolutely. Twitter jail. Let's talk about Twitter jail. <laughs> Why? What happened? And wh- just tell us everything. So the first time it happened was because I um, made... Yeah, like I, I went to film school and... For one semester, and the only thing I learned how to do was like make memes on Twitter. Truly, uh, I I put the or I put the uh, Charlie XCX on boys over the Call Me by Your Name trailer, and I was like, "This is hilarious!" And I actually <laughs> did it for one of my friends because she thought it would be funny. Um, so I did that, and that was like a copyright violation. That was the first time, and then um, the second time was um, a cup. I want to say like March, and that was. Because I like used a photo of Rihanna and it was like a just a copyright violation, um, which that's like what it always is. But it was weird because that time someone, some guys on Twitter were like, Hunter is like a menace. Like she's out of control. She's like too horny. She's like, we need to stop letting these writers write about like desire in this way. Something so silly. Um, you said it was like men that were coming? You yeah, yeah, oh, of course. Funny. Of course it's men. And I mean, for the record, I don't think I'm like being that inappropriate if I say Jackson Maine could smash more than that Percocet. Um, that <laughs> seems like a very rational thought when I'm watching A Star is Born. But also, some you're people, also entitled to your opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people just like beg to differ, I guess. Um, well, but, I think we're like dealing with like a higher level of sensitivity now than more than ever, which is just not... Not, yeah, but I think you know. inherently that is like 
I mean, feels pretty ahistorical too, because a lot of a lot of great writing is about, you know, about aesthetics, about desire, about that's why we like the things we like. Right. Um, and it is just a normal, natural, you know, impulse, I guess. But yeah, so that, that was like a weird sort of perfect storm um, of me, <laughs> of me just like trending for for whatever reason because people were. Defending me, and then these like guys were mad. Film bros were like the worst. They always want to talk down to you about like the dream levels and Inception, and it's like, honey, I don't care. <laughs> it's like it's like no, no, I get it. Like I I don't yeah. not understand it. I fully no, I get, get it. it. And they always want to like explain it to you, and it's like no, 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 no. I understand. I'm at the point in time where I'm like, please stop explaining things to me. Like if you want to mm. have a conversation, like let's sit down and talk. But mm-hmm. like if. I don't I don't think there's anything that's bothering me more as like a young person and like specifically a young woman mm-hmm. than like the idea that I feel like I'm constantly being explained. Like people are constantly explaining like how to do things to me or like right. how things work or like how I'm supposed to like do my job and things like that. So that, specifically men. I'm just kind of over that. In general, I hate so. it. I hate it. I'm glad that you are back on Twitter because <laughs> Twitter is better for it, to be really honest. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Do you think that there currently like is a problem with like censorship and speech on social media in general Mm, well yes um mostly because a lot of these big companies like twitter like jack dorsey like facebook like mark zuckerberg they just fundamentally do not understand the like toxicity that exists um I mean, that, you know, has truly ruined our politics, not ruined, because it was, like, totally flawed to begin with, but ruined our politics, ruined, like, political discourse in a lot of ways. And um, and even in entertainment, I think you can see, you know, in a, in a less impactful way, I guess, but just the way that people talk about things is, like, sometimes very callous, or at least the way people speak to me sometimes is very callous. Um, and... But not for the most part, I should say. What are the first things that you, like, check every morning when you wake up? Mm. Twitter. Mm, yes. Yes, I'll check Twitter. I'll check my mentions just to see what I missed the night before, usually. And then I I lately have been reading um, Brian Stelter's newsletter from CNN, just because that's, like, a pretty good news digest of, of stuff that I like. What do you have Google alerts on for, besides Jackson, Maine? Only my name. Wow. Um, and that was really not something that I even thought about. But someone at work was like, you should have a Google alert set for your name just to You never know just to who's see. coming for you. Yeah, yeah. and I, I didn't think anything would come of it. But actually, it's kind of hilarious because there are so – I promise you, there are so many, like, 15-year-old white boys named Hunter Harris who are taking the – varsity basketball uh, wait, world by no, storm they're, they're, okay that there's something going on, on the internet like that can't be real because that's just what happens to me every day too no like, i don't think it's i i click a lot of these articles and these boys named hunter harris are varsity basketball varsity wrestling and they are like really i'm so proud of all of them <laughs> i'm i'm, I'm so, so sorry that i like too but i wrecked their google alerts i, I so it. desperately wanted you to say you had something on for a star is born but it's okay where are you at emotionally with that right now? Um, I'm well, invested in your emotions. Well, really, I, you know, at some point I have to like, <laughs> at some point I have to just take off the cowboy hat and and put it on the mantle. But 
I am like, when a star, when anything to do with Bradley Cooper, Arena Shake, Lady Gaga comes up, I'm like a pig in slop. I love it. I love this movie. I, there's so much movie. And it, A Star is Born just does come up on every date I go on now. And it's no, not no, even no, like, I don't even try. It just comes up. Um, because it, it is a movie that, you know, has like really captivated the social conscious, conscience, I think, or maybe. I have, like, the catalog effect where I just see it everywhere I go. Um, no, I think it hit it hit for you differently. I just... <laughs> I just it hit different, and I need to know. I, I remember. Know. I saw it. So I, I, know. I mean, I think it hit for everybody. Like, uh, after... So I saw it before, Yeah, when it... Tell me when you saw it. Tell me your Star is Born story. This is how I was born. Um, I saw it differently. <laughs> I saw it before it came out. I was in London. My friend's family had, um, like, some involvement in it and did a screening and... Um, it was great to see in a small setting like that, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of the other people in the entertainment industry, so it was nice to know their opinion. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, like, when I saw it, I expected, like, the st- media storm and, like, craziness that was going to happen from it. I kind of, like, it stuck with me. It definitely, like, hit me where I was like, oh, my God, that was so beautiful, mm-hmm. but I was not prepared. I think your experience was, like, you were like, I'm going to blow the shit up. <laughs> like, you were like, yeah, like I, mean, I saw it and like told my friends I was like yo see you at the Oscars but like that was it like I think you and I have very different well I moments. saw it and I saw it at the AMC on 34th Street in the Dolby Theater there and I remember I was like ugh before the movie came out, I was like, I cannot wait for this movie to, like, totally, like, take over, you know, the Oscar dialogue and all this stuff. And and I am just, like, kind of dread it. I don't think it's going to be very good. I, like, don't care about Bradley Cooper. I'm, like, not a little monster. So it was, like, not going to be anything really for me there. Um, and then, you know, three minutes in, he, like, twirls around, like, super drunk and his, like, auburn hairs and the beard and the denim. And I was like, oh. <gasps> I wrote it on my notebook. I was like, we're not gonna we're not gonna make it through this alive. This is like not gonna go well for me. <laughs> the accent got me. Um <laughs> No, the accent got me. The deep voice got I think me. We can, like, like there are things that hit you so deeply you can like hear them in your head. Yeah. Like I can hear him speaking in my head. This is getting so weird, guys. You but. couldn't be my fucking dad if you fucking tried. Oh, I love it. But that's what I love. That's it's like there's so much even when the movie does not Something entirely about work. Talent in a finger and that's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. He had more fucking talent than his fucking finger down your whole fucking body. <laughs> don't act like I don't listen to C ninety eight on the soundtrack so regularly. Um but yeah, with something like a Star is born though, that's like a windfall for me and my job because there's so many choices being made very specifically in that movie where it's like I need to know about every single one of them. I need to know like how Eddie Griffin ended up in this movie, you know, like a, a how he had one scene in like A Star Is Born. Like how did Dave Chappelle end up in this movie? Like what was going on? Like <laughs> just all of the music, how did it all come together? Like all of the alley stuff, the SNL stuff. It's like there's just so much there. The SNL thing was a really interesting choice for me. Yeah, and also they had, you know, all, like, the SNL, like, you know, yeah. line producers and stuff working on the movie right. for that sequence. The SNL like, Grammys choice was, like, really interesting to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, all of those things, I think, are are so fascinating to think about, like, behind the scenes. And, and also it's, like, you know, really good. I do, like you know, being messy on the internet and making a joke about them possibly getting together and then a million people being like, Hunter. And I'm like, well, you know, whatever. You know. You didn't come I'm, here. You came here for a good time. Like, Okay, so now that, like, the Star is Born trail is, like, kind of coming to an end, mm-hmm. what's, like, what are you paying attention to right now? 
Hmm, what am I paying attention to? I want you to say one thing, one thing only, but I'm gonna let you answer the question yourself. Okay, now I'm feeling nervous. I don't want to disappoint you. What's on my... I mean, Big Little Lies. I'm okay, obsessed with season two. I think it might be better than season one. Yes, so far. I mean, but Meryl just brings a whole other, like, Meryl oh, performance. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm not over it. She's like, yeah. but th- it's funny because she has not, like, I thought she'd, like, walk away with season two. Like, it would be all about her. But there's so much great stuff in season two. Yeah. Renata is great. Like, all the stuff happening with Amabella is so funny. The Reese stuff with, like, the marriage that's kind of in flux right now. I think it's all, like, a very rich text. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the Ari Aster horror movie Midsummer. I'm not a horror movie girl, but I did really enjoy that because it is very funny. And I listened to, like, a lot of Megan Thee Stallion recently. I'm so into her. And, yeah, what did you think? What did, what did you want me to say? I just really want to talk about Little Women. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's like a whole other thing though. Like that's so far in the future for me. I have such tunnel vision, but no, I cannot wait for Little Women to come out. Like I saw the stills start coming out and I was like drooling on my phone. Like there's like spit coming out of my mouth. I'm like, oh my God, this fucking cast. Like these like sexy images of like Timothy, like like with these women, I just can't. Like I'm feeling a lot of feelings and I need Hunter to tell me There's a real audacity for them to not just like invite me. To be like someone in the background of a, a background of a background of a shot. I'm with you. It's, I love it. I can't wait. I think it's gonna be so good. Obviously, I love Greta. Um, I think she's so talented, and it's like really a murderer's row of talent. Like Florence Pugh, Liza Scanlon, Saoirse, obviously Laura Dern, Meryl, Timmy. It's like I'm like saying all their names like we're in a group chat together. Um, but like that's that's there is uh, according to you because okay, I read there, the story, yes there is a group chat. A, I am not in it unfortunately. I you know I would beg Byron Steele to get into it, but it's that's it's like lightning striking in a bottle. You know like that's there's so many talented people in this movie. I'm so excited for it. So we're still at Vulture. What is kind of like your dream situation moving forward? Like what's your dream job? Mm, I. I don't ever think about like a dream job. I, I don't do either. feel I'm like really happy that you said that. Yeah, I I I don't know what my dream job would be. Um, but I do feel like there are people's careers that I really admire and like want to emulate yeah. in a certain way. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, I, talking about trajectories is so. I think it's it's ever changing. It's like talking about you know it's on sand essentially, especially right. in media. But I I kind of just did something that I like hate that I do. But I I guess I want to rephrase that just to like like because my conscience feels guilty of saying dream job because yeah. I think people ask me what my dream job is just because it's like it's not that black and white. Right. But like I guess yeah. What would you love to like? Whose careers do you see now that you're like okay that's something that I feel like. I'd like to follow somewhat of that path while also carving your own. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I there are just so many writers that I really love and really admire. But I really love um, this writer Jada Yuan, who she was like a party reporter at New York Magazine and like a writer for like Vulture for a long time, and then she did like the Fifty Two Places um, thing for the New York Times, like traveling around the world and writing about it, which is so cool. But I think she's like a really, a really skilled. I love Jada. I could like talk about her all day. But like that kind of trajectory, I think is really important. It's like being a really good reporter, being an intrepid reporter, but also being able to like write funny stuff, weird stuff. Also doing like big features. She did like a great interview with Jenny Slate, um, probably two or three years ago that I still read all the time. And it was about, mostly about the Chris Evans breakup, but in a very thoughtful way. But yeah, no, like that's the kind of thing I want to be doing. I want to be like having really interesting conversations. But also, you know, being able to, like, 
write a million stories about a star is born, something like that, and just right. have fun. I right. think that's having that duality is something that I always want to keep in my career, like writing serious stuff and writing like silly, goofy stuff, because that's just like what makes me really happy. And that's how my brain works, I think. Is there something particularly within your career right now that you feel insecure about that you that you like are actively trying to work on as you like look forward? Ooh. Hmm. I mean, I would just as much as I love being on Twitter and like being on the internet and all of this stuff, sometimes I do feel a little bit insecure just because and I go back and forth about this a lot, but I do want like my identity to be the work that I'm doing and not just always the jokes that I'm making, even though they do sort of go hand in hand. Um, like writing an essay or doing an interview with some someone, like that will always be more important to me and hold more weight to me than you know, whatever I say on the internet, like just in a tweet. Um, but I do think there's a value to that and to engaging with that audience at the same time. And that's just, I mean, I would do it either way. That's the thing. I, I can't like turn it off. So right. I... <laughs> no, but I think that was beautifully said because they do go hand in hand. But yeah. I can understand how yeah. how you want to be known for, you want to be known for the work. Yeah. That's really important to me is is doing the work and not so much. I think a different way of phrasing that too is that I am making I think about this so consciously is not making decisions out of ego and not like pursuing things out of ego because I don't think anything really meaningful gets done from that place because to me it really is I like my job I like the things that I do I like being on the internet because I can talk about movies and make jokes and like that's what's important to me and I don't ever want to feel like I'm doing something or saying something or present in a space because like, I'm at the center of it and not the work that I'm doing. I wouldn't consider you a critic, but you definitely are, like, making a commentary on culture mm-hmm. and what's going on. But is there a piece of advice you would give to kind of, like, the next generation of, like, critics or culture commentators based on your experience? Um, hmm. I, okay, I think two things. Which is something that I've had, that I think about a lot in my job, is that being young is definitely a benefit, but it's not... That's not where your taste comes from, not just being young. Because one day I won't be the youngest person in my office and I won't be the youngest person in any room. And I want to make sure that I'm doing stuff outside of just being like the young girl on the internet, you know? Yes. Um, And that really requires cultivating your sensibility and cultivating your taste. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter how many followers you have or how good you are or whatever. If you don't know what you think about something, then you you have nothing to say. And that's, that's like, the thing that you can't teach someone how to have good taste or how to have taste at all. So that's what I think. That's, I think, the biggest advice is just to know, to really engage in a lot of different things and see what you like and how to communicate that beyond just yes or no, good or bad, thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, Because a lot of culture writing that's, like, really great is being able to write to and see the the gray area between things. For more, subscribe to the Friend of a Friend podcast on the Apple Podcast page and our newsletter on friendofafriend.com.